Hello and welcome to this special elections episode of The Stushy, the Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. I'm Andy Phillip and on this episode we're making a departure from our regular weekly programme with a series of daily debates to delve into the local issues at the heart of the election on May the 5th. Council elections are an opportunity to cast a vote about vital services affecting our daily lives. Local authorities oversee the running of schools, they collect council taxes, they organise bin collections and a lot more besides. So why are they often seen as the poor relation of Holyrood and Westminster elections? Too often these local votes are overtaken by rehashed debates between the leading parties with an eye on parliament, not town halls. So we invited our readers and listeners to send their questions to invited councillors and candidates in select local authorities. Derek Healy, the political editor of The Courier, spent time with the four councils in the title's heartland. He started with Dundee before hosting debates for Angus, Perth and Kinross and Fife. We'll be publishing those over four days before rounding it off with a final fifth one-off special from Aberdeen. In Dundee, there was a near inevitable clash over the role of independence in this election. We dug into an astonishing row over previous comments from an SNP candidate and we looked at how local projects such as the Olympia Pool may have damaged trust. Derek was joined by city leader and SNP councillor John Alexander, Alan Ross for Alapa, Fraser McPherson for the Liberal Democrats, Derek Scott for the Conservatives, Richard McCready for Labour and Tanya Jones for the Greens. Derek started by asking the Greens candidate what the single biggest problem is facing Dundee right now. The single biggest problem facing all of us is the climate crisis. We've had our attention taken away from it um, by the crises of COVID and now of the invasion of Ukraine, but the climate crisis hasn't gone away. UN scientists have warned um, that it's now more severe than ever and we need governments at every single level to stand up and to take that seriously. And obviously, as Greens, uh, this is something that we've been working on at every level um, for a very long time. Um, We know the science, we follow the science, and we know what needs to happen, what kind of transformational change needs to happen in Dundee, as everywhere else, to equip us to face the future. Richard? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of agreement around uh, the, the climate emergency is clearly a huge issue, but I think one of the things that, that, that I think is a, the biggest issue facing the council at the moment, I think is around education. I think it's around getting it right for every child. It's around making sure that every child in Dundee gets the best possible start in life. It's about making sure that there aren't two cities here, that everybody has a good chance. And I think, you know, we see um, cuts to uh, the uh, attainment funding which was designed to help those, those young people in the city that didn't have the best start in life. We see those described on the front page of, today, of the Evening Telegraph as immoral by the former head teacher of uh, Harris Academy. That's, and I think we also saw the Courier describe those cuts as a false economy. And I think that's, that's absolutely what they are because those cuts will result in, uh, in those young people paying that price, not, not in the next two or three years at their, through their school career, but actually in decades to come through their life chances. So I think getting uh, fairness in in our schools, getting support for everybody in our schools and making sure that every young person in Dundee can achieve their potential would be our priority. 
Uh, education is one of my priorities um, as well. And Dundee has been consistently amongst the lowest performing of all of Scotland's 32 local authorities in terms of secondary attainment. And uh, we have uh, our, our secondary school pupils um, leave school uh, with fewer qualifications than their counterparts across Scotland. We've also had difficulty closing the attainment gap in Dundee as well. And with the cut to the Scottish attainment challenge of £5 million over the next four years is going to have a real impact on supporting the learning of our vulnerable children. Um, we have a big job to do to help our children recover from the impact of the, the, the pandemic. A lot of learning was lost over the last two years. And to stop that from having a lasting impact on their lives going forward, we need to do all we can to try and catch them up on their learning. And the Scottish Conservative Party have a policy of introducing a local tutoring scheme and coming up with a bespoke solution to help those children uh, catch up on, on the learning. So for me and for a Scottish Conservative group moving forward, uh, we would be pushing the council to prioritise education and helping our children have the best possible life chances. Fraser. Uh, thank you. Um, the, the simple answer to this question is that there are more than one uh, um, in terms of issues that really have to be tackled within the city. Now, we've had mention there of both the climate emergency, which is of vital importance, and I think we would all cross-party agree uh, as to the importance of uh, the City Council taking a lead in relation to uh, uh, tackling climate-related um, issues. And indeed, the uh, significant challenge Dundee continues to face in relation to um, education attainment and doing our best for all the young people in the city. However, there are a number of other issues as well. And I, and I suppose it goes to show how important it is that uh, councillors are prepared to look at all issues that are important for the city. So, for example, we've still a way to go in relation to uh, employment in the city and securing really good jobs for um, everybody of, employ uh, of uh, employment age uh, in, in Dundee. We've made some progress in that over the 21 years I've been on the council, certainly, but nonetheless, there is a, a, a way to go. There are a number of other very serious issues in relation, for example, to the drugs crisis in the city. And again, I think across party, I think we've taken some really sensible steps in relation to that, but there is a long way to go, and it's uh, undoubtedly a very serious issue. A big issue for us in the Liberal Democrats, because we get it from constituents all the time, is the cleanliness of the city, which we feel has declined over the last few years. And we have proposals in the budget to increase the number of street cleaners, to make the city, particularly in the city centre, but also streets in our own wards, a whole lot cleaner. We think um, um, this is an issue that, uh, uh, um, frankly, irritates a lot of Dundee people. We think it's important, but we recognise it as one of a number of issues which are required to be tackled if Dundee is to be in a better place in five years' time than it is at the moment. John? I mean, the reality is there's no wrong answer to this question, but for me, it's about inequality in its broadest possible sense. So when we talk about inequality, it is educational attainment, it's health inequalities, it's the underlying issues of poverty, deprivation, drugs and alcohol, uh, and all of that, because you can't tackle issues like educational attainment without fundamentally trying to tackle and seek um, appropriate responses to the issues of poverty and deprivation. Uh, they are interlinked issues, and only by taking an approach that seeks to tackle all of them in tandem are you really going to make inroads. So um, inequality, I think, is the basis for uh, our focus, both as an administration group currently and hopefully uh, post-election as well. 
And as others have said, there are huge challenges for the city. Um, whilst we've made some significant progress, employment being one of those, employment levels increasing by 9.4% over the last five years, we're also seeking to address some of the underlying issues. That's why it was so important for me uh, that Dundee was the first living wage accredited city in the entirety of the UK. It's why it's so important that we set up the Drug Commission to take forward an independent forensic look at those issues. It's why we created the Fairness Commission to give a voice to real uh, people experiencing uh, hardship in our city right now and informing the decisions that we make. So we never should shy away from these issues. We need to be upfront and honest about the scale of those challenges. But inequality, I think, is, is in the broadest possible sense the issue that all of us are seeking to tackle and relate to the climate change agenda, the educational agenda, the employment and those underlying issues of social deprivation. Alan, for you. Yeah, thanks. I, I mean, I, I agree with most of, of all of, of what's been said so far, and there's been a few issues that have been mentioned, such as the climate crisis, um, poverty, uh, education, etc. But for me, going into this election, uh, and particularly as a member of the Lockheed Ward, which I've represented since 2007, a long time, the levels of poverty that still exist, not just in Lockheed, but throughout Dundee at this time, in my mind, is an utter disgrace to be where we're at in the year of 2022 and at the, uh, the start of a cost of living crisis where the, the cost of soaring energy prices have been passed uh, to the man on the street, if you like, every, every customer who needs, you know, everyone needs energy to survive, you know, whilst the profits of these big companies are continuing to soar, we pay the price for that. Um, and that comes on top of, you know, it's not a new thing because of the pandemic or anything else. We've now had 10 years plus of austerity politics coming from, uh, and austerity policy coming directly from Westminster, passed to Edinburgh. It gets chopped up in Edinburgh and then it gets devolved further down to local councils. And I, and I think the time has come now where we've had enough of that and we can't continue that way and we need to start doing things differently and if that means saying to the Scottish Government well no you need to start funding us properly again um, so that we can deliver all the services in the city which everyone has made mention of around the table then that's what we have to do and that's what ALBA uh, are hoping to do across Scotland we don't know how many candidates will we'll have elected but we're going into this election on our five-point poverty plan. Five points in there, very simple things, uh, back to basics, if you like, on how we can really alleviate and uh, eradicate poverty in Scotland. I, I had the, the great privilege recently of, uh, at our party conference uh, in Glasgow of proposing the guaranteed minimum income, uh, which is something that really should be happening before now in Scotland, which would ensure that everyone, uh, not just here in Dundee, but across Scotland, would have that guaranteed minimum income every month in order to be covering their bills, um, not to be feeding their children from food banks, not to see children going to school without a decent breakfast in their tummy, not to be worrying about whether they choose to heat their home when they get home or cook a meal. You know, there's issues where people are getting food from food banks, but now we don't have the money uh, or the means to switch on their cooker to cook it when they get home. This is a scandal. Uh, in the year 2022 and that's our priority going into this election it's certainly my priority um, I agree with all the other issues that have been spoken about today but my key priority in this election and Alba's key priority in this election <coughs> is poverty and addressing poverty within all communities in Dundee 
Thank you all for those quite detailed responses to that. I can tell you that time and again, readers brought up levels of poverty and deprivation in the city. That was a frequent question. Um, Shona asked, what are you going to do for children in Dundee? How are you going to help those in poor households or in care? Um, it's quite a direct question, and I'd be keen to get some very direct answers on what we're going to do. We'll start, Derek, with you if we can. How would you respond to Shona? Well, I think the most important thing, coming back to education, is making sure we get it right for every child. And we do all we can to improve the learning opportunities. I, I, I quite like the uh, idea we now have on the council, which we're taking forward and all the parties have signed up to, is the community wealth building and uh, investing in uh, local projects that are going to uh, support things like that. Um, there's... Uh, um, the main thing for me would be just education and making sure we get it right for every child. That's great. Richard, how about you? Yeah, I think that's a, I mean, I think it's a really interesting question. I think it's uh, really important that we do, uh, you know, I think that we focus on poverty, and that's what I was trying to uh, address in my, my previous answer. I mean, I think it's, it's really important that, that we do look to make sure that, um, you know, that we do look at things like, you know, um, Council agreed that everybody should have the right to food, so you know it is a disgrace. I would, you know, pay tribute to those folk that, that do work in, in our food banks and things like that. But it's a disgrace that, that you know some families are struggling to feed their feed their children in this city. So I think we need to make sure that people have got the, the level of income, um, you know, that that allows them to look after their families uh, properly. Um, I think it's really important that we make sure, um, as I said in my first answer, that we make sure that. Any uh, disadvantage that young people have as a result of, uh, of as a result of, of, of poverty um, in their education <clears throat> is is taken away. We need to take action about that. We need to make sure that nobody's disadvantaged by being poor in, in the education system. We need. We've done a lot on the cost of the school day. I think there's still a lot more we can do about that. I think there's still a huge. Th there's, there are things around levelling up. Um, you know that that you know there are there are people who are. Uh, taking advantage of the uh, of what's on offer in our schools, and then their parents are paying for uh, for for tutors and things like that after school. I think we need to make sure that that every child in the city has got access to to to, to support out both within school and out with school. Make sure they've got the the correct uh, IT equipment because that's becoming more and more important. And I think that's that's hugely important. And I think I think the other thing, the other side of that question about children in care. I think we need to take that much more seriously than we, than we do. I know we take it, we do take it seriously, but I think, you know, those of us who have been elected have been corporate parents for those for those young people, and I'm not sure that we, you know, that we really, you know, I think the challenge to all of us is: Are we happy with how children and care are looked after in this city? Would is it the standards that we expect for our own children if we've got them? You know, I think there's a real, a real challenge to us there to make sure that we make a difference. And I think that we, we need to make a difference because I think fundamentally we need to be aiming for a society where it doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what your parents do. It doesn't matter what your parents' income is. That what matters is what you, that you can achieve Whatever you're capable of, you can achieve your full potential. That's what Dundee should be aiming for every young person in this city. Tanya, there are no Green Councillors at the moment on Dundee City Council. So what do Green Councillors or Green Councillors do to tackle this issue of deprivation in Dundee? 
Thank you. Yeah. Yes, we want to make Dundee a safe place for children to grow up in. And that means, first and fundamentally, um, good housing for them and for their families, warm, dry homes, secure homes and affordable homes. And we support the uh, Shelter Scotland uh, Manifesto for Housing and specifically their call upon uh, Dundee City Council um, to carry out its commitments to build sufficient social housing. Um, we also want to focus on children's health. Um, that includes the effects of air pollution. It includes uh, providing children with um, healthy food. Um, we need much more support for um, vegetable growing across the city. Um, there's fantastic work already being done uh, by people like the um, uh, community growers at Camperdown. We want to see that um, extended. We want to see people supported in uh, homes and schools um, to be uh, growing their own vegetables um, so that we can feed our children so that they can grow strong and healthy. And as the children grow older, um, we also need, of course, um, proper action on the uh, drugs emergency. The uh, Dundee Drugs Commission have um, just um, in March this year uh, come out with a new report um, calling on the statutory bodies um, to act differently, to have a, a change of culture, um, to be addressing the needs of people who are addicted to drugs, uh, not in the sense just of um, treatment, but of looking at them as whole people, addressing all their needs. And we have um, third sector organizations who are doing wonderful work already. Um, they need to be supported. Um, there needs to be more cooperation um, and um, addressing the needs of people who are uh, addicted to drugs needs to happen in the community. Um, so um, those um, together with education that doesn't just um, prepare children for exams, but prepares them uh, for their lives in the future in a world that will be changed by climate change, a world of increasing inequality, a world in which they will need real practical skills. They will need the ability to question what's happening around them. They will need those kind of critical skills far more than they'll need um, a list of um, information to get through an exam. So that's the vision that we have um, for the children of Dundee. And we will be a bold voice calling for the necessary action for that. Fraser. Thanks indeed. Um, I think there is absolutely no doubt. I've, I don't disagree with anything that's been said up to now. The bottom line on this is what can Dundee City Council be doing within the resources that Dundee City Council has uh, in, in, uh, in its finances? And the bottom line, if we're being perfectly frank about it, is that since 2007, we have seen a Scottish government that has not prioritised local government, where we have seen cuts year after year. I'm sufficiently old in relation to the length of time I've been on the council, where in the early years I was on the council in the early 2000s, we actually had years of growth in relation to council services, which allowed us to be spending more on housing, more on education, more on providing positive pathways for young people and so on. And the harsh reality is that over the last um, few years, uh, year after year, we are seeing cuts to council services. 
Now, that's nothing that actually the six people sitting around this hustings today can actually resolve within themselves, because that really requires Scottish government to be taking the funding of local government a whole lot more seriously. So the bottom line is this. Yes, we do want to see improved housing prospects, improved educational attainment. But at the end of the day, this requires good funding and increased funding from central government. And there is no getting away from that fact. I would say in a positive sense, I have seen some real progress in relation to, for example, progress in attainment in uh, the schools. The schools in my own ward in the West End do marvellous work uh, for the pupils um, attending them. And I'm sure that's the case uh, right across um, the city. And I think we should uh, praise the staff, um, the, the, the teaching staff and support staff in our schools for the marvellous work that they are doing. The bottom line on this is what I want to see over the next five years is increased funding to allow us to ensure that we provide the real life opportunities for the young people of the city. And that will require increased funding for Dundee City Council. John, your party's been in charge in Dundee for more than a decade now. Your people like Shona are saying it's, you know, there's not been enough progress made on this. What are you going to do differently after May 5th? We surely can't be more of the same. No, there's a number of things. I think it's really important to say that there has been significant progress across a whole host of issues. And uh, the totality of an issue, uh, the issues that face children in the city are not solely about education. I think it's really important that we make that point. We need to look in it, uh, at it from a perspective of the totality of a child's life growing up in a city like Dundee. So yes, we need to look at the issues of housing stock, for example, making sure that when they wake up in the morning, they're waking up in a home that is warm, uh, where there's food on the table, where they can go to school without feeling hungry and, uh, and cold. And that's really important. That's why social inequality is such a focus for us as an administration, has been throughout those 10 years, will continue to be uh, post-election, whatever role we play uh, on Dundee City Council. There's a series of things that I think are really important, and, and one of them is about listening. So how do we listen and hear the voice of young people? It isn't just about politicians like us or candidates like us sitting around tables having discussions. We need to listen to young people in the city, the parents in the city, and those that have a keen interest, uh, including the third sector, uh, in seeing those young people thrive. When I came into the council in 2012, I was 23 years of age, so some would argue not um, you know, significantly older than many of the children going through our uh, school estate at that time. Uh, and one of the things I was very keen on doing was making sure that we had mechanisms for listening to young people. So we set up and created the role of a young piece, person's champion. So there was a voice within the administration championing young people in their issues. We created a youth bank which empowered young people to make decisions, financial decisions, uh, for their own betterment. Uh, we supported the work of the Champions Board to listen to care experienced young people. And that was a specific point in your question that I think I really want to focus in on as well. There is a significant number of young people in this city that are care experienced because of the social inequalities that we talk about. A lot of that stems from drugs and alcohol and uh, you know, breakdown of families, etc. And that's a huge challenge for the city that I think collectively across the political spectrum, we've all been working together to focus our efforts on. In our manifesto, one of the key components of that focusing on care experienced young people is around what we're calling our Dundee guarantee. It's making sure that every single care experienced young person has an opportunity to obtain an apprenticeship. Because actually, school isn't always the right environment for those individuals. Sometimes it's a very challenging environment. And we need to be clear that, you know, as we describe every year at a certain point, there is no wrong path. So we need to make sure that we're providing the mechanism for people to choose their own path and to thrive, as it was said uh, previously. Um, and, and there is no one solution for that. 
I was, I, was, I was going to ask you, I mean, yeah. you've been power now for more than a decade, and I think people will welcome that you're listening to people. Yeah. But surely, more than a decade, then you should have some answers. Well, so we what specifically, outside of the initiative there for, for care experience people, outside of that, for other people in deprivation in the city, after May 5th? Well, I think actually be? demonstrating that with our record. So if you consider education as one component of that, more than £160 million pounds of investment has been delivered into our school estate. That's a really important investment and a key component that we've all raised, improving the school estate across the board. Pupil equity funding, the five million pounds that is received on an annual basis is supporting the work of uh, attainment within our schools. Beyond that, even in our budget that was just passed a couple of months ago, we included an additional 1.6 million to tackle some of those fundamental issues. So I can prove year on year that we are committed to that agenda and we're putting resource behind it, despite the challenging backdrop of you know, austerity and the financial crisis and Brexit and the pandemic. Uh, our administration has continued to put in significant resources into those areas because you know, I, I say this, both as leader of the council, but also as a parent myself, I have a two and a four year old who are going through our fantastic school estate right now. I've seen the value of education, but I've also seen some of the other uh, fantastic initiatives. I think it was Richard that mentioned the cost of the school day work. Again, looking at the totality of what a child requires, the challenges that that child faces. So there are countless initiatives that we can point to where we are demonstrably, I can't even say the word, um, <laughs> you know, uh, showing that we are impacting on, on children's lives in a really important way. And the reality is with an issue like poverty or, or drugs, you do not turn them around in a period of a year or two or five. They are systemic issues that require long-term solutions. Poverty and drugs and all of those other uh, factors have been an issue since I was a child. They're not going to go away overnight or within one political term. And that's why it's so important that irrespective of the political uh, outcome of the election, that we all continue to work together to drive forward that agenda and deliver on it. Alan, you spoke about the importance of deprivation and poverty in your opening remarks. Um, what, would, what would Alba do to tackle some of that? Well, in, in that opening question and my response to it, I, I made mention of Alba's five-point plan. Um, and within that five-point plan, um, we have said quite clearly that school, free school meals across the entirety of a, a young person's school career, from primary one right through uh, to the end of secondary school, um, that's one thing we would do. The educational maintenance allowance, we would double from £30 to £60. Um, we will be, if elected, be proposing a council tax freeze um, at the next budget and thereafter. That would be a red line for Alba councillors uh, in any chamber, not just here in Dundee, but we would propose a, a council tax freeze um, on top of free school meals and, as I said, the, the, the doubling of the educational maintenance allowance. Anyone in receipt of council tax uh, help with their council tax would receive a, a one-off direct £500 payment. Um, and also free access uh, for everyone 18 years and under uh, to sports facilities throughout the city. And I think all of those things play into exactly the kind of things that the other candidates have spoken about. Um, I, I don't want to get too political here, but I, I agreed with what everyone said, but I, I don't know if there was a, an awful lot of substance behind it, such as a five-point plan, a solid plan of measures that we could introduce um, to do that. And some people might say, and you alluded at the start, Derek, that um, often council elections are seen as the poor relation um, to other elections. And people would maybe say to me, yeah, but that, you know, councillors can't do those things. You're talking about stuff at parliamentary level. But we need to remind people that councillors 
do have a lot of sway and a lot of power uh, in our local chambers, and we can put pressure on the government in Edinburgh to make these things happen. Now, these are, are solid proposals that we uh, seek to put forward, um, because as I said in my opening remark, I think poverty is the one key issue in Dundee at the moment. And yes, we've spoken about the drugs issue um, in Dundee as well, but the, you know, poverty plays into that too. Uh, on, on the drugs issue, I think we need to be in a position where we recognise addiction in all its forms as a, as a health issue rather than anything other. Um, I think it's a, a, a mental health issue, um, and mental health uh, here in Dundee is another massive uh, issue, and it should be another priority. Um, it was an issue before the pandemic, but it has been absolutely you know, taken to astronomical levels because of the pandemic as well. Um, so these are the things we would do. First of all, the five-point plan uh, is where we would start. But these are solid proposals rather than, you know, oh, we maybe do this or we maybe do that or we've done this or we've done that. Solid five-point plan. That's what we would do. Sorry, John. Can I just ask, add one thing, which I think there's a really important part. And again, going back to your introduction, you were talking about the, the importance of local government. And I think, actually, we can also demonstrate locally how, again, across the political spectrum, the actions that we've led here in Dundee have led to national responses. So uh, if you look at, for example, our response on school clothing grant, we increased it to £100 a couple of years back before the national approach was taken up. That was led by Dundee and the rest of the company followed suit. The removal of things like music tuition. We'd done that eight years before the national approach. So there's a really positive example of local government in all its forms leading the case for change and challenge and Dundee actually leading that conversation nationally and having an influence. And I think that goes to your point about you know, the value and the importance of local government as well. Yeah, Fraser, you mentioned about budgets and um, Mary wrote in about local government funds being cut year on year. Every year we see the budget come out and we see that a real strain. John, you spoke quite honestly when the Scottish Government budget came out and said, this is really tough and you feared for services as a result of it. Um, Mary asked, what will you do to ensure our council is properly funded? Uh, Derek, I want to go to you on that first of all. Um, we're seeing cuts being passed on from Westminster to Holyrood and then being passed down to local councils. Um, have you spoken to your party at all and told them that Dundee just can't afford more cuts? Um, well, the Scottish Government got the largest um, grant it's ever received in the history of devolution for this financial year. And uh, once again, the share of that budget that was passed on to Dundee City Council by way of support grant uh, was reduced. Uh, the, the Scottish Conservatives would bring in like a Barnet formula for, lo for local government so that we get a percentage of the Scottish Government's budget every year that will allow the local council to be able to plan better and plan for a longer period of time over a number of years if it knows it's going to get a set amount of money. Over its, in the 13 years that we've had a, an SNP administration in Dundee, the council has had to cut something like £136 million pounds, uh, from its budget to provide a, a balanced budget. Uh, and, and that needs to change. And as others have said, we need to, uh, and in the past, we used to be able to have growth projects where we could actually invest in the city rather than fighting fire all the time and try to, 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 to um, uh, make the money work when it just isn't there. Uh, we tried at the last, um, uh, uh, this council budget to freeze the council tax because we felt that um, with the cost of living, it was an important thing uh, to do. And we'd look at that um, going forward. But it really needs 
sufficient funding to come from the, the Scottish Government to allow us to provide the, the services that we need to, um, uh, to provide. It was specifically though, I mean, have you, have you gone back to your party and said, you know, we need to send a unified message both to Holyrood and to Westminster and tell them we need, we need more money in Dundee? Anyone who listens to me, I say that local government is underfunded. It, uh, it provides services that people use on a, a daily um, basis and requires to be properly funded. But as I said, that the Scottish government got the largest amount of funding from Westminster it's ever received this financial year, and it's been cut. Uh, to, uh, it cut funding to local authorities. Cosler have said that the Scottish government is underfunding um, uh, local government and has shown that over a period of time the percentage of funding that comes to, to the Scottish government has fallen quite drastically in the, the 15 years that the SNP have been running the Scottish government. John, I mean, I'd be quite interested to hear your response to that as a council leader and also as a, as a chair of the Scottish Cities as well. Um, but I mean, you were on the campaign bus with Nicola Sturgeon when she came to Dundee the other week. Did you raise this with her on the bus or anywhere else? I mean, have you spoken to her about this and said, Dundee needs more, needs more money? Um, first of all, Derek, like any good Dundonian worth their salt, um, I'm not backwards and coming forwards, as you know. So I have absolutely raised the issue of council finance with my colleagues. As, again, uh, colleagues from across the political chamber know, I've co-signed a letter with COSLA leaders. I've co-signed a letter with the representatives on Dundee City Council. So I will always seek more money for the city of Dundee, irrespective of the political hue of the national government. My role is to defend and support Dundee, and I'll continue to do that. Uh, interestingly, you mentioned the, the, the visit by the FM um, fairly recently. Uh, and again, she was asked that direct question on the bus uh, by one of your colleagues. And uh, the FM acknowledged my uh, robust approaches to colleagues in the Scottish government because I am very forthright in my view about you know, the, the valuable services that we de deliver locally and the essential nature of that funding. What, what, uh, what was the response then, John, to that? Oh, you've seen the response because in the latest budget there was an increase uh, allocation that was delivered by Kate Forbes in the aftermath of the lobbying both you know, by myself <coughs> and colleagues within the Cities Alliance but also through COSLA uh, as the 32 representatives body. So there's a, you know, there, there's a direct response to that. Now, there will always be a demand for further resource. I do take a uh, slight exemption, I suppose, and, and I think it's uh, smoothing over uh, the reality uh, that Derek uh, presents because I think we all are acutely aware of the impact that Tory austerity has had over the last 10 years. And I'm very conscious that I have never been involved in the council when we haven't had to make some degree of savings. Now, that's not because our budget hasn't increased in cash terms. It's because costs have increased by a greater uh, quantum. And if you look at the time in which we've been in power, uh, in, in the immediate aftermath of the banking crisis, where the UK government were able to find uh, multiple billions to support the banking sector, uh, the aftermath of uh, you know, Brexit, the impact of the COVID pandemic, and the figures that Derek quotes are related to the COVID pandemic. So the additional allocation of funding is directly related to that. And if you look at that from a council perspective, £62 million, for example, that came to the council was pushed out to local businesses to support that. So money has been deployed in the city to support those that need it. Uh, but as I say, I will always ask for more money. Even if we have a growth budget, I will always seek the best outcome for the city of Dundee, as the citizens of the city would expect <coughs> me to do. But I, I do also find it slightly galling that there is this irony in a conversation calling for a council tax freeze when, when the SNP had a council tax freeze 
it was criticised year in, year out because of the cumulative impact that that would have on budgets. But now we're in this strange position where we've had a council tax freeze and the Tories want to go back to it, despite them being very vocal and criticising it in the past as well. So, uh, you know, like I say, I will always be a campaigner for more money for the city. I'm going to open this up generally just for responses. I mean, it's a bit of a catch-22, isn't it? If you've not got the money coming from government, how do you raise the funds? It's going to leave you with very few options, and one of them was obviously raising council tax. Right. Um, would anyone like to come yeah, in? The, 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 the bottom line for me, um, Derek, is that, however, and I don't doubt John's efforts uh, at trying to persuade Nicola Sturgeon to properly fund local government, and I think we've all tried to make the case for local government being properly funded, but the harsh reality is this, that over the last decade plus, local government has been subject to cuts. And that is just a fact. And it manifests itself in many ways. Things that you cannot do. We could have done more in relation, for example, to educational attainment. I, I, I'm not in any way knocking what has been done. Not at all. I think we've all worked pretty positively in a cross-party sense in, in, in these sort of areas. But it's when you see year on year things not being done that used to be done. And let me give you a, a, some small examples. I was actually at an event yesterday, the opening of a, of, of, of a particular shop that Transition uh, Dundee uh, have opened in the former Cornerstone Cafe um, in the Nethergate. Marvellous organisation, I might add. But the point I would say is you walk out and you go to the bus. And the bus shelter's filthy. It's utterly filthy. There's two bus shelters uh, along from there. It's utterly filthy. So what did the administration do? I and mean, I must admit, uh, not everybody supported um, what we tried to do, which was to save the cleaning of bus uh, shelters. But in a very small way, the number of times a bus shelter will get cleaned in Dundee uh, has been reduced from once a month to <coughs> once uh, every two months. Six um, cleans a year, and it leaves them filthy. Now, that's a small thing. But there are other small things. The blether bus for older folk in the city just acts, tried to support, um, 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 you know, re retaining that. Uh, but again, outvoted um, on, on that one. And then we get taxes by stealth. And here's a good example, the brown bin charge. Um, I think that um, actually is a disincentive to recycling. And it's not only just been introduced, but year on year it's been increased. £35 first year, £40, it's to be £42.50 next year. We would like that reduced and eventually uh, phased out because it's a disincentive um, to recycling. Talking about recycling, we used to have an additional recycling centre up at Marchbanks. Does that exist anymore? No, it's gone. And I'm just giving these as sort of small examples of things that we don't do now that we used to do or used to be free or um, we, we now either no longer do or we charge for. How do you, how do you solve that, Fraser? How you do solve you it money? by properly funding local government. How do you do that? Uh, well, you, you get a, a government that is more... Now, that's nothing that's going to get fixed on the 5th of May. Yeah. And as I say, I don't doubt John's efforts in trying to persuade Nicola Sturgeon. They need to be a little bit more successful with respect. And the point of the matter is this. Local government needs to be funded better. I think we all try to do our best within the resources available. We'll all put forward alternative budgets. I think some of the proposals uh, the Liberal Democrats had this year were really good ideas. Um, and, and I have to say, in a very positive sense, we do actually work reasonably well together. We have group leader meetings every second Friday. We do actually get on on a personal basis pretty well. But the bottom line on this is there's a limit to what you can do when your budget gets cut year on year. And I think the voice from local government, and it's not just the Dundee issues, there's 31 other local authorities across Scotland who are finding exactly the same sort of issues. 
the, the, the clear message from this election has to be that if you want better local government services, you need a Scottish government that is committed to properly funding them. Alan, you had your hand raised there. I did, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, to me it's quite frustrating to, to just continually hear this debate between you know, the Tories and the SNP or the, you know, the Liberal Democrats and Labour trying to say they're different from the Tories for this reason or, or, or another. Um, Fraser's right. We do need a Scottish Government that's funding local councils properly. And I don't think any of my colleagues on the panel today, having known me as long as they have, will be in any way surprised at all that I bring up the I word here, which no one else has yet. Um, and the only way to get a Scottish Government in the Scottish Parliament doing the right things for the Scottish people as if it's not a devolved government as in, and Scotland stands alone as an independent nation. And that's, that's where it's at. That, these arguments go away when, when Scotland becomes independent. I'm not saying that they go away in terms of, of course there'll be difference of opinions on how we fund this or how we fund that. But, you know, Derek, you know, it's a continual thing in, in the chamber from, from the Conservative group. Oh, your, the Barnet formula went up this year, or you got more from London this year. That's not London. You know, they portray that as if, oh, London gave you more money this year. It's our money. <laughs> it's, it's money that's raised in Scotland by the Scottish taxpayer. We shouldn't be asking for increased levels of it coming back from London. It's our money. It's generated in Scotland. It should be spent in Scotland by a Scottish government, elected by the Scottish people, sitting in the Scottish Parliament in Edinburgh. And that is another uh, key plank of the ALBA campaign in this election, and that is to keep the independence movement alive. Nicola Sturgeon has had five mandates now uh, to really push for independence and hasn't done it. Um, there was a poll the other day suggested that, that women who had voted um, yes to independence in 2014 now won't do so, um, or a number of them won't, um, and that's because of the GRA uh, and, and other things. We need to unite the, the yes movement again, and that's what ALBA's for. You know, we're only a year old. We've got 7,000 members somewhere in the region of 7,000 across Scotland. It's growing. Um, we have our We ALBA book, which is setting out the new case for Scottish independence. Um, and that's the answer. That's what I went into politics for. Way back in 2007, uh, I joined the SNP, and it was independence that was at the top of my agenda at that time. And I say that unashamedly. Um, people will say, people like me are obsessed with it. We're not obsessed with it. We just know that it's the best way uh, for Scotland to go forward. Um, and we can continue to have these little arguments between the unionist parties and they're trying to set themselves apart from each other and apart from the SNP. If Fraser wants an effective Scottish government in an effective Scottish Parliament, well then let's have it. And let's have it in an independent Scotland, which isn't devolved from a government that isn't elected by the people of Scotland and has a man like Boris Johnson at the head of it, who is now a criminal <laughs> and still uh, running Scotland's affairs. It's scandalous and it's time now that we really push for independence. And if the SNP aren't going to do it, um, then that's why you need to have strong ALBA uh, candidates and councillors in your chambers across Scotland.
With the greatest of respect, Alan, I would just make the point, this election is not about that issue. I mean, we're getting very far away from uh, what this election is actually about. No, it's not, Alan. Yes, it is. Independence is not on the ballot paper on the 5th of May. And the point of the matter is this. This is about the better provision of local services for the people of Dundee. I'm sorry, sorry, but I think on the ballot ballot paper it has names and political parties. It doesn't have lists of priorities or or uh, policies or whatever. And I'm, I'm saying that independence is an issue in this election, and it should be an issue in every election in Scotland. Because Derek said at the start that local authority elections are often seen as the poor relation to parliamentary elections. And now, if we're, not going to, if we're going to change that perception, then we need to speak about the bigger things as well. I and think it is useful, Alan, with respect. Indes- independence is an issue for the people of Dundee when you consider that Dundee is the yes city. The vast majority of people in Dundee voted yes in 2014. They haven't changed their minds, and that's how we do things differently. We push for our independence, and we get there as quick as we can, and we run our own affairs. It's as simple as that. The bottom line on this is this election is about local government services and the provision of good services for the people of Dundee. Better served than an independent Scotland, Fraser. Alan, you're just interrupting everybody. The point of the matter is this that um, it's not on the ballot paper on the 5th of May. This is about improving our education, improving our street cleaning, improving our housing, improving local government services. That's what this election is about. Whatever Alan would like it to be about, this is what this election is about. And it's about having a manifesto that covers the issues that are the responsibility of Dundee City Council. We're putting forward a positive programme for trying to improve these services. And at the end of the day, I simply make the point that independence is not on the ballot paper on the 5th of May. And I thought, frankly, with the greatest respect to Alan, I think he knows that. No, we don't. I don't know that. And we'll just have to agree to disagree, Fraser. I wouldn't have said what I've just said if I agreed with you. Yeah, I mean, I think, Richard, I know you had your hand up there as well. I think I could safely say you probably don't agree that independence is the answer. So what, getting well, back to the, the I'm, local I'm, I'm aspect. Loath, I'm loath to intrude in this sort of private argument that's <laughs> going on over there. I mean, the, you know, Alan, Alan sat and told us that Nicola Sturgeon was fantastic for donkey's years and now now he seems to have changed his mind but you know that's that that that's that's that that's that that's fine um but you know i mean i think the question was about local government funding and my issue with that is yeah the the city is not funded enough local government funding is not is not fair local government funding is a bit of the you know a cinderella seen as a cinderella service it's not it's it you know, we're not given enough respect. I think what we what happens every year, we have a farce every year where, uh, you know, a dreadful settlement is announced and uh, then we have a little bit of to and fro and we have robust discussions, as John described them, and then we get to an appalling settlement and we're meant to be happy with the appalling settlement. You know, I mean, I think, you know, there is a reality here that we have had cuts year after year after year. I think there is a reality that that impacts on, you know, that impacts on the, the life chances of people in this city, it impacts on the quality of life of people in this city. So whether it's education, whether it's uh, the cleanliness of the streets, whether it's the state of the parks, um, you know, whether it's, you know, whether there's a, a social house available for you, um, you know, a whole variety of things are all impacted by that poor settlement. Now, we need to get to a point where, you know, this, this, you know, Fraser, Fraser, Fraser said, 
you know, we should, it's about changing the government um, and, you know, I don't want to go back to that previous discussion, but changing the, the Scottish government or indeed changing the Westminster government is also not on the ballot this time. But what we do need is a gov governments in Westminster and in Holyrood that value local services, that see what's important to local people and give funding or the means to get funding to uh, local councils so that we can do the things that we want to do. Because, you know, there is, amongst those of us that are elected, um, have been elected, there is quite a lot of agreement here. We've worked together on a lot of things. We've agreed around a lot of things, but we're still held back by the fact that often there isn't funding to do those things. There, there isn't funding to do them properly. And I think we need to, you know, we need to be honest with people you know, we need we need to say that local government funding doesn't work. We need to we need support from, you know, we do need support from from Westminster and from Holyrood to make sure that that funding is coming forward to the city that allows us to do the things that we want to do. Because I think, you know, around this table there are a lot of people who have got the best interests of the city at heart. And if we if we had the funding to do things, we would be able to do so much more. And I think that's really important. Tanya, the Greens are now in a power-sharing agreement with the SNP and the Scottish Government. Would you be going back and telling you know, your colleagues that we need more money for Dundee? Is that what you'd like to do? My, my colleagues um, know absolutely that we need more money for Dundee and um, all uh, local authorities in Scotland, I think, need more money. Um, it's particularly acute here because of um, Dundee's um, particular problems, um, but it's the case everywhere. And the truth is, um, as you said um, in, your, in your introduction to this question, um, we are constrained um, by what the Scottish Government, um, the resources the Scottish Government has. Um, that in turn is constrained um, by uh, what Westminster um, passes on to us. Westminster, of course, is not constrained as a, a sovereign uh, currency. Um, the UK government has vast um, uh, money-raising powers, which we saw, um, of course, most, most acutely um, during the bank bailout. Um, it's a deliberate political choice um, to impose austerity. It's a deliberate political choice to increase the gap between the rich and the poor. And that is the context in which um, we, we um, are operating. Um, I'd just like to say something about council tax, um, because as part of the uh, cooperation agreement between the Scottish Greens um, and the Scottish Government, um, we um, are going to introduce um, a citizens' assembly um, to look at the issue of council tax reform and to find a fairer way in which um, communities can share in the costs um, of their, their local services. And that's, um, that's not only important in what it means um, for council tax and for the future of council uh, funding. It's also important um, as a symbol of what um, grassroots democracy can really do uh, because we need more and more citizens' assemblies. Um, we need one um, to look at um, what Dundee can do um, to um, build on the declaration of a climate emergency and to, to take positive climate action. Um, we need um, more um, initiatives like the People's Assemblies, um, which um, were held across Dundee 
um, during the, the intense um, COVID pandemic. Um, we need more and more ways for local communities to be involved in decision-making um, because local communities know um, what, what their neighbourhoods need. Um, they're full of people who have ideas and initiative and compassion and wisdom and experience, and we need to make the most of that. And um, far too often councils are top-down operations um, when in fact um, the real resources are at the grassroots and we should be listening to those, building on those, making space um, for people to make their own decisions and their own initiatives um, to make their own lives better. Another issue that came up time again was trust in local politics. Um, we've seen candidates involved in scandals, we've seen issues with the administration, we've seen all sorts of reasons why this was brought up. Um, the next question here is from Brian. He says he'd be keen to hear how we can trust the current SNP administration to oversee the completion of the waterfront project after the debacles around the Olympia swim swimming pool and the roofing scandal. Um, for those who aren't aware, all the information is that on, the, on those are on our websites, but it'd be safe to say that those are pretty pricey issues, potentially. Um, Alan, I'll come to you on that first of all, please, if you don't mind. Um, well, first of all, I um, don't anticipate that, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, I don't anticipate that any party um, in Dundee and, and perhaps even in Scotland will have an outright majority um, after this election. So it wouldn't just be the SNP. I, I, I wouldn't have thought who will be responsible uh, for the continuation of the waterfront. However, you know, Richard alluded to the fact that I was once a member of the SNP, of course I was, everyone knows that, and I was a member of the administration, and I'm still proud to, to have played my part in, in the waterfront uh, up till now. And, you know, some of the achievements we achieved whilst I was, I'm not saying it was because of me, but, you know, the achievements of the SNP administration um, on the waterfront have, have been quite remarkable, and, and it's something that's been needed for Dundee. But as Richard said earlier, um, and as is on my campaign material that's going out just now, we need to make sure that Dundee doesn't, and, and I fear that perhaps already has, um, become a, a, a position of a tale of two cities. Um, so whilst the waterfront is very important, um, we also need to see how that's now going to impact on our local communities in a positive way. Um, but to address the, the, the actual nub of the question, um, I, and I might be wrong, but I don't anticipate um, any party winning an outright majority uh, in this election. So it won't just be the SNP. It would be interesting if your next-door neighbour agrees with that or not. We'll be asked that in a second. Uh, but well, I, I, I'll, I'll answer your question, Derek. Okay. Uh, so, in, in terms of trust, I think it's a really important question. I think, uh, in that regard, you have to also look at the record of the administration. So, I've said on countless occasions and at every single event, no matter what the issue is, you have to look at it through the lens of an honest appraisal of where the city's at, what the challenges are. And so, you'll not hear me talk about the waterfront or the V&A or anything else without relating it back to the real hardship that exists in the city, the number of households that are living with poverty and deprivation. And, and so, again, I go back to that point of honesty and integrity. It was an SNP administration, it was myself on my very first meeting as leader of the council that suggested that we have a drug commission because I didn't want the issues to be hidden uh, or for us to sweep them under the carpet. I wanted us to tackle them head on. Same with the Fairness Commission. And when you take the, the, the latest issues that you, you reference, I think it's really important to also say that 
who was the party that sought the independent uh, investigation into the roofing uh, issue, for example? It was the SNP. It was a motion put in my name. So I don't shy away from these issues. I think, whilst I know, uh, I think that some of my political colleagues want to make this a political issue, the reality is they know that I'm not up the scaffolding checking tiles. Um, that is not the nature of a political job. Um, I, and I, it would be very easy to make political hay with these issues, and I'm sure uh, some will take the opportunity. Um, but that does not relate to our role as politicians. It is not a politician's role to look at an individual project and assess that and carry out the role of a clerk of works, essentially. That is not our role. There was unanimous agreement for all of these projects and pro proposals. And in fact, if we look back, and I mentioned this recently at the Olympia, it was under a Labour administration that that project started. Uh, Richard himself was convener of Leisure and Culture Committee at the time where there was discussions around that. Now, I don't say that um, because I'm suggesting that it's Richard's fault. I do not believe it is. But the reality is when we, uh, when we approve uh, projects, when we look at the detail that sits there behind them, we are very much making a judgment call on the professional advice that's provided. There was unanimous agreement. So if, uh, if there is political blame, it's all of our blame, uh, is the point that I would make. And the trust, I think, is a key component of that. So how do we show uh, the city that not only we have learned from those mistakes, that we're seeking to address them, that's by being honest about the scale of those challenges. So over the last six months, you know, the timing couldn't be any worse, I suppose, from an administration perspective. Uh, but I didn't seek to hide them. I didn't seek to, to stop them coming forward. If anything, I wanted to move them forward uh, to get to a point where we were rectifying the issues, carrying out uh, you know, an internal audit process plus some degree of independent assessment to identify where those issues were, rectify them, and also have a longer term plan to make sure that they don't repeat the mistakes that have happened before. And I think that's what people expect from the politicians. They expect them to be honest about the issues, and I don't think anybody can claim that we haven't been. They expect us to rectify the issues, and we're very much on the way uh, to doing all that. And they expect us to make sure that the mistakes aren't repeated. And that is absolutely, I think, across the, uh, the political spectrum, what we're going to do. So I hope that uh, instills some confidence in the people of this city. And again, you know, I think we've got a record that shows we do not hide away from those issues. We tackle them head on. We're honest about them, the scale of them, and what we are going to do about them. I think, I mean, just going on this issue of trust again, we've had an unbelievable number of council candidates or prospective candidates from a range of parties who we have kind of exposed as saying things or doing things that are very interesting. Uh, one of those is Siobhan Tolland, who's standing in the Lockheed ward. Um, for those who are unaware, Siobhan was, and this is back in 2010, 2011, I believe, um, talked about 9-11 being an inside job orchestrated by the press and by politicians. Um, she talked about going out and shouting abuse at the Pope in the street and had a picture of herself, or a profile picture on Facebook, mocked up as Jesus. Uh, the SNP has stood by Siobhan Holland, and she is, it's entirely possible she could be an SNP councillor after May. Um, Dundee SNP group put out a response to that story attacking a local MSP who had raised concerns about some of those actions. That response has been described as anti-Catholic by, by um, some campaign groups. I wonder, John, would you associate yourself with those comments um, publicly questioning whether that MSP condones child abuse in the church? No, of course not. And I think there's a fundamental issue here. So um, let's distill this down into a couple of parts. So it's really important to say that 
Uh, Siobhan has publicly apologised, deeply regrets that. I've looked into her eyes and had the conversation with her, and I believe her to be genuine and honest in that. Uh, you look at the, you know, the timeline for that going back more than a decade as well. And also she's been fairly honest about the challenges that she was facing in her life at that time. Now that doesn't excuse what was said in any way, shape or form, and it's right that she apologised. I think the other thing, as somebody who has grown up um, you know, uh, in uh, the Church of Scotland, going to Sunday school, etc., and then uh, attending a Roman Catholic high school, Faith is predicated on redemption and being able to redeem yourselves uh, and also being honest about the mistakes that you made and using them to improve yourself. And I think Siobhan can absolutely demonstrate that in the intervening period. So it isn't just about casting your eye back 12 years ago to those unacceptable uh, uh, comments. And, you know, I can't uh, emphasise that anymore. But it's looking what happened in the intervening period. So Siobhan has used her personal experience, her personal challenges during that time, contributed to national pieces of work looking at conspiracy theory, for example. And there's been some national articles um, in national newspapers uh, where she has featured talking about the rabbit hole of conspiracy theory on the basis of her experience in falling down that rabbit hole because of mental health challenges. I don't think we should be uh, criticising her for improving that and using that journey to to learn from and hopefully help others. Yes, we should crit criticise and, and condemn the words that were used, but we should also allow that opportunity to hear what she's saying now and to listen to her experience over the last <coughs> 10 years and what she's done. She also set up a local charity um, to help those less fortunate than all of us uh, tackle some of those underlying issues of poverty and working with many uh, you know, faith-based organisations in the city who, through that work, have held her in very high esteem. I think the reality is she's demonstrated since then her regret, her resolve to, to use those uh, challenging experience to improve and inform uh, you know, the approach of others. She hasn't hidden away from those challenges. Um, uh, and I feel for her, because I, I genuinely believe, having looked in her eyes, that she is regretful, she's deeply sorry, um, I suppose wounded from that experience, but also has sought to learn from it and improve and contribute to our city in a meaningful way. And I think, you know, the last 10 years, I think, demonstrates that very clearly. So, yeah. You see, you don't want to associate yourself with those comments, but it's Michael Mara, we can see his name. Um, he, he has said absolutely point blank, he doesn't condone child abuse in the, in the Catholic Church. Um, you don't associate yourself with those comments. Would you, would you apologise for them? I mean, on behalf of the, the Dundee SNP group? I, I don't think it's my job to apologise for um, the comments. The reality Do the is I don't, I don't believe um, that, you know, Michael Mara needs to condone anything. That's absolutely clear. And I think I've explained the background and also the context for Siobhan, which is fundamentally the issue here. Um, and I think what's been interesting is having that conversation on the doorstep, because it has, as you'll not be surprised, it has come up on the doorstep. And, and, and it's important to say that as somebody that has worked very closely with faith-based organisations, it was myself that engaged with the faith community across the city before we adopted a faith covenant and just before the pandemic hit. We were supposed to have a launch event in the months that we went into lockdown with our faith communities. I really valuable, I, I value, as the administration does, as Siobhan does, the valuable contribution of faith-based organisations. I think the whole sorry affair uh, has been uh, terrible. Uh, the, the messaging uh, that's been conveyed as part of that, clearly unacceptable as well. But let's not forget, for those of us that have that experience or, or, or interaction with, with faith, it is possible for people to 
to repent, to redeem themselves. And I think we should give her that opportunity, given her experience over the last 10 years. And I, and I want to be really clear, it's not just the SNP. There's been parties right across the country that have had similar kind of issues, and we've covered a lot of them. Um, Richard, I'm interested in your take on that. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm actually loath to get involved in this, to be honest. Um, I mean, I should say that I'm a Catholic. Um, I am deeply offended by, not by what Siobhan Tolan did, because I accept the apology and the withdrawal, which I think has come, of what she did. I am deeply offended by the statement that was made um, and hasn't been, as far as I can see, hasn't been retracted, hasn't been apologised about. I think it was offensive um, and I think it was gratuitous and it was, it was, I mean, it was about a very serious issue. Let's be very clear, right? And I say this as a Catholic, that, you know, the Catholic Church has got a huge amount to answer for around the issue of protection of young people and protection of vulnerable people, right? as a lot of other organisations do. But the Catholic Church in particular has let itself down time after time after time. It's a very, very, very serious issue. It should not be used as political kickabout. It should not be used to make political points against a politician that you just don't like. Um, I think the statement that was put out was appalling should be withdrawn, and, she, and uh, you know, I mean, Michael, Michael Mara's big enough and ugly enough to look after himself, but Michael should receive, uh, I think, should receive a fulsome apology because I think it was disgraceful what was, you know, the implication of what, 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 was, what was said. So I think that, I think that's a, I think that, that's, that's, that's a, a real issue. And I think, you know, all of us have got a duty, you know, I think we've mostly behaved ourselves today, you know, and it's easy at times to lose the rag, to shout at people, to say things in the heat of the moment. But we've all got a duty to act responsibly. The people of Dundee don't want us to be ranting and raving. They want us to take things seriously. They want us to, to do our best and do what we believe in. But, you know, we've got a duty to treat each other with respect. I mean, we've actually got, you know, in terms of codes of conduct and all that, we've got a duty to treat, treat each other with respect. And I think, by and large, we do that very well in the city of Dundee. But I think, you know, there are, there, you know, there are things here which I think, you know, uh, went well beyond the pale. I think, I think this is a council, and I, I always make this point whenever I speak to someone about Dundee City Council, where the councils do get on, and it is very productive most of the time. Um, so I think that's worth saying. Derek, what about yourself? How, how do you restore trust in, in politics um, with some of these things we've seen going on with different parties? Well, on the Siobhan Tolland affair, um, that's for the people of Lockheed to decide, and they'll, they'll do that in a couple of weeks' time. Um, when it comes to um, restoring trust in local politics, I think local councillors will be judged by their, their actions, and that's how they, they build trust is... Uh, what they do in their areas and the, con the current conservative councillors on the council do a lot of work in their areas and get results for, for people locally and I think that's how you, you build up trust um, uh, and uh, what that's what we'll continue to do in the years ahead. On the other issues you mentioned too in that question on the waterfront, um, that's such an important thing for the city and the new council really ought to kick on with that and um, uh, get that um, completed and bring further investment into the city. I think it's important to touch on the other subjects that you mentioned in that question about the scandalous waste of money on um, public money on things like the Olympia closure and the works needing to be done there and on the roofs issue. 
Um, uh, uh, there seems to be problems with the Olympia from, from day one, and there doesn't ever seem to have been um, a maintenance program in place to deal with those issues um, going forward. And with um, the roofs, 4.4 million to um, carry out um, the work that needs to be done to put that error right, that's the equivalent of £110 on a Bandy council tax. And we had an earlier discussion about um, how local government was underfunded and how we're finding local things aren't being, local works aren't being done because there isn't the money there. How much could we have done with 4.4 million? That's 4.4 million has to come out of the council budget that has to be spent on correcting a problem that shouldn't have happened in the first place. <clears throat> 4.4 million would easily get all the things done in Brody Ferry Ward that I'd like to get done and have a huge amount of change left over as well. And uh, we heard from John that, that um, um, we've learned from the mistakes, but there just seems to be a catalogue of mistakes. They never seem to, to end. We had the Olympia and the five million it's going to cost to put that right and, the, and being closed for the best part of a year, which makes it really difficult for those people who want to learn to swim and swimming organisations to use the facilities. It also means that a revenue stream for Leisure and Culture Dundee, who are desperately short of money, is no longer there for them. Uh, we've got the roofs fiasco that needs to be sorted, but now we've also got the £1.2 million that will need to be spent on um, re- repairing the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the, the pipe work in uh, Dundee House, a property we don't long, uh, own any longer. So we're rattling up to about £10 million worth of public money that needs to be spent on issues where there didn't need to be um, these issues in, in the first place. So lessons don't seem to be getting learned by the administration there seems to be ongoing issues with things like this, and I'm just waiting to see what's going to come out next. Tanya, Brian's concerned about future projects. Should he be? Yeah, I, I think um, I'd just, just like to, to say something about the, um, the discussion um, that was happening before, because uh, before I came to Dundee, um, I spent uh, 12 years in Northern Ireland um, where I was um, working in a, as a on a voluntary basis um, in an inter-church um, rec- peace and reconciliation group. Um, so I'm very familiar with the way um, that um, comments, um, people taking offence from comments, people um, interpreting comments in a certain way um, can so easily escalate and be deeply damaging. And um, I would kind of warned from from our experience in Northern Ireland against um, letting those things escalate. I must confess to having a a, a wee bit of um, deja vu um, earlier on. Um, I've um, um, sat through an awful lot of meetings where um, men have been arguing about constitutional issues in local contexts. So um, again, don't want to to hear that. Um, With regard to issues like the um, Olympia and the the roofing, um, I think that there are are two um, big kind of um, lessons to learn from that. Um, One is um, of the importance of having people asking the awkward questions, um, you know, um, maybe... um, what may seem to be the silly questions, but sometimes which go to the heart of of something that that needs to be considered. Um, And the second one is about learning um, from the experience of of others. Um, 
particularly of, of other, other cities, um, also uh, the expertise of, of communities and of professionals. Um, we're very fortunate in, in Dundee to have uh, two universities um, full of people who are experts on issues that are relevant um, to um, decisions made within the city, and we should be taking full advantage of that. Um, we should also be learning from other cities, uh, particularly with regard to um, public transport and active transport. Uh, we're very fortunate in the Greens that we can not only learn from other cities in Scotland and in other parts of the UK, but across Europe and across the world um, where we have Greens in local administrations. Um, so I would, I would kind of plead with us to be learning more um, from others' mistakes and uh, from others' successes. Fraser, do you have a view on this? In, in terms of um, the, the roofs debacle and the Olympia, uh, and indeed, uh, as Derek alluded to, the, the, the piping issue, which is over a million uh, in relation to Dundee House, I think the vital point is that we ensure that it doesn't happen again. And with, uh, leaving aside the party politics of this, I, I very much called for, and we have had a meeting of the scrutiny committee where we discussed at length and went through, frankly, hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents um, to look at exactly what happened. They're very different issues. I think a very clear issue in relation to the Olympia was the lack of an annual maintenance programme. I think there are some issues with, with regard to the build as well, um, but um, there, there are quite clear lessons to come out of the Olympia. There's a very simple lesson in relation to um, the roofing debacle, and that is to make absolutely sure that changes in legislation, changes in regulations, are fed through to those uh, um, staff who are dealing with particular projects. And we've had some uh, intense discussion regarding how we ensure that that happens in the future. The bottom line on this is these cannot happen again. You don't just take £10 million and shove it down the drain, which is essentially what has happened in this particular case, and it's not good. But if I could speak in a positive sense about the city, um, the waterfront actually wasn't the, um, dreamed up by the current SNP administration. It was actually alive and kicking when I was elected to the council in 2001. The previous administration, Labour Lib Dem, um, prior to 2009, we led on it for, for, for six years of its life. But the point of the matter is, we led alongside other members of the council, including the SNP, who were at that time in opposition and are now in administration, because we've worked together collegiately in a good manner to ensure that this is actually delivered. And the, the plea I have, and I think we have quite, you know, we'll have a, Alan and I will always disagree on independence, but that in a way isn't the point. The point I was trying to make today is the discussion it should be around the good provision of Dundee City Council services and doing our best for our constituents. I think um, in our own way, I've, I've said it before at committee, there are 29 members of the council, they're all pretty decent folk, and I'm pretty sure they'll all be de pretty decent folk after um, the 5th of May as well. We might not always agree on things, but it's vitally important if you're going to drive your city forward that we all work hard for our communities, and I can assure you, no one works harder for the West End than, than, than do I. But that is the case for others as well. And I look at the good in people. There are decent folk in other parties. We have to work together. The waterfront's a good example of where we have worked in a very uh, collegiate sense to deliver. But not only that, the, the improved rail station, 
the educational attainment improvements. Um, John talked about the improvements to the school estate, but these were unanimously agreed at committee. We had a capital programme prior to the SNP being in. Would they not have been delivered by another administration? Well, of course they would have. And the point of the matter is this. We all serve on project boards for various projects and we work together well. And the city is at its best when, frankly, we're not at one another's throats, when we're all working together in a collegiate manner. And I have not tried, if if I could just finish, Derek, by saying, I've not tried to politicise the roofs thing, the Olympia thing, because I don't think there's much merit in that. What you try to do is fix the thing so it does not happen again. Thanks, Fraser. I'm I'm really conscious of the fact we're about to run out of time. Um, I just wanted to say that, you know, I think having debates like this and everyone coming together is exactly how we do increase trust in politics, speaking out these issues. So thank you very much for everyone for coming. Um, Thank you for watching at home as well. We're going to have more of these debates for all of our council areas. So I hope you'll tune in for those. For now, take care. Thanks for listening to this special edition of The Stushy. The original debates were filmed at DC Thompson head office in Dundee and can be watched in full by going to the Courier website and heading to our politics pages. Thanks to Derek Healy for hosting, Stushy producer Morvan McIntyre, the teams in Dundee and of course to you for listening. We'll be back next week with more, but until then, and even after then, pick up or log on to The Courier, The Press and Journal and all of our news brands so that you can be better briefed. The Stushy is the politics podcast from DC Thompson, designed to help you understand the implications of what happens in Holyrood, Westminster and our communities so that you can be better briefed. Don't miss an episode by following The Stushy today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. And if you know folks like you who want to understand politics in Scotland a little better, suggest they tune in or follow Stushy Scott on Twitter and Facebook. And stay even more up to date on local and Scottish news by subscribing to The Courier or Press and Journal, where you can get one month of unlimited access for just £1. Check the episode notes for details and terms.